Good morning. You're so, so welcome. Um, my name's Andy. If we haven't met before, I'm part of the team here, and we are thrilled that you're here. Um, I wonder what you think your life would look like if God was moving powerfully in it. We're just going to, you know, not the 60, yet you're still in conversations, I get it, uh, I get it. Just let that percolate for a second. What do you think your life would look like? Or maybe a better question is, what do you think would be different? Maybe a better question is, do you think you would notice? One of the things that I um, notice as I do my job and I listen to people and um, is that often it's really easy or easier to see the activity of God in our lives in retrospect. Often it's after the moment that we sometimes find ourselves retelling a story of something that happened and then it kind of hits us. We're like, maybe, maybe God was actually involved in that. Maybe God was doing something or, or um, maybe you just uttered some sort of prayer about some sort of thing and you forgot you ever prayed it. And maybe it was years later you kind of have this like, wow, actually, God answered that prayer and God did that thing. Um, in our early days, somebody sent this um, scripture to me. Um, I think we were about three or four months old as a community. And it says this. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I remember we were in like Haslam's Lane, for any of you that were there in those days, it was this dingy floor, this horrible red wall, the oddest shape room. Like if you were going to design a room to try and do church gatherings in, you probably couldn't have got worse than the venue that we planted the church from. And I remember reading this, somebody said to me, and I'm like, they have got, they've sent this to the wrong pastor, you know? I'm like, we are this like ridiculous wee group of people trying to figure this thing out in a dingy wee shop front in Lisburn. But it goes on. It says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I mean, I had to discipline myself not to, like, scoff or be like, this is utterly ridiculous. Like, they've got the wrong church. They've got the wrong, like, Lisburn. You know, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago what my grandfather refers to Lisburn as the one-horse cow town. And if you remember, I'm still not sure what a one-horse cow town is. Um, but I remember being like, this is the most outrageous thing for someone to send a, like a fledgling community that like really doesn't, or at least didn't, we're still figuring it out, but definitely at that stage, didn't really have a clue what we were doing. And it just struck me in worship this morning as I thought about what's going to actually happen this week as uh, Thursday and Friday and Saturday um, leaders from across the world actually are going to gather in this space. We have uh, church planters from Denmark coming. We have church planters from uh, Portugal and Spain. Um, we have some really significant leaders from our movement from across the states. John and Debbie Wright who lead the vineyard in the UK and Ireland are going to be with us. And of course, there's going to be around 300 of us that uh, occupy this thing called the Mission of Jesus in the Vineyard Movement in Ireland here. And it was one of those moments where if we don't actually stop to kind of appreciate it, we can totally miss it. And we can think, 
disparagingly about the stuff people send us or um, we can think to you know God moves powerfully in other people's lives but never in mine until sometimes you realize that when God moves sometimes it just feels normal because our lives have grown and, and we've stepped into new things and like sure six years ago when somebody sent me that text I was like that is the most ridiculous thing and I'm quite certain we're not there yet we definitely haven't arrived but there is something of what's about to unfold in this space around our community this weekend that is hugely significant and it would be completely remiss of me or us to not stop and think wow Jesus you're doing something that's profound and we are caught up in it and it feels kind of normal And I think that's completely appropriate. And I want to just challenge you before we jump into our text this morning to maybe go into your week or your month or your life from this place. Discipline yourself to put maybe a slightly different lens on. Rather than thinking that if God were to move powerfully, your life would look completely differently. Maybe just begin to ask him to show you what you're not noticing right now. To show you the things in your family, in your friendships, in the places that you work, in the lives of the people that surround you, to show you what God is currently up to. Because um, if you're anything like me, those kind of prayers usually are really surprising when we get the answers. And we're like, wow, God, you're, you're, actually, you're actually being who you said you'd be, and you're actually doing what you said you would do. And uh, it doesn't feel... Like an adrenaline-fueled roller coaster, it just feels like life. So I want to challenge you as you go from, from here. It's just funny, I'm giving you the end challenge at the beginning. But as you go this week, just maybe stop seeking for this big other thing and start embracing what is growing and alive all, all around you. Can I really encourage you um, this week to be praying for what's going to happen as we gather um, it's hugely significant. It's a, the vineyard's 25 years old in Ireland uh, this year, and um, the the guy and uh, the lady that led the church in Chicago that planted the first vineyard church in Dublin are going to be with us. And uh, I can't wait for that conversation with Steve to just be like John Wimber very famously said that Ireland and Scotland are the two hardest reaches, pl- hardest to reach places in the world. And uh, he very famously said the vineyard will never work in Ireland. And uh, I love that somebody can be so outrageously prophetic and anointed and all those things and also wrong. <laughs> That's good news for all of us, you know. And um, we're going we're gonna to spend some time listening to Steve Nicholson as he shares just what was going on in his head and his heart as he sent the very first church planters from Chicago to Dublin. And with, with like literally nothing, I think that Sean and Debbie had done like six months uh, with them and then were <clears throat> sent off. To, to do, and here we are, 25 years later, 12 churches and church plants, um, literally thousands of people are touched through the ministry and life of the Vineyard Movement across Ireland, and it does really feel like we're just getting going. This is the first gathering of leaders that we've we've ever had on the island, and um, we're excited. So please, can I encourage you to pray for us this week as we gather. Hopefully, some of you have got tickets and are going to join us. It's going to be amazing. Um, but if you haven't, please pray for us uh, as as we do that and as we dream a little bit about what the future is going to look like for us. Wonderful. So we are in week three of a series we have titled "Beginnings," and we're unpacking the words of the prophet Isaiah, as recorded in chapter 61. 
They are the same words that, or at least part of them, are the same words that Jesus uses in Luke 4 whenever he announces his public ministry. That moment when he steps forward in the temple to um, declare that he has kind of arrived. And he goes to the Old Testament scriptures and he flicks through to find something that would be appropriate for this moment. And he turns to these words that we've been reflecting on from Isaiah 61. Maybe you don't know this, but this text has been central to our Lagan Valley Vineyard story as well. This was a text that was read out uh, over Mark and Yvette at their, at their wedding. Whenever we connected as families and started to dream about this church, uh, this text was absolutely central to what we felt like God was saying to us and what we should order our <clears throat> um, church around and priorities around. And on the 21st of June, 2015, it was, um, Josh, throw up the, or Jack, throw up the photo, will you? Um, 21st of June, 2015, um, there's the lovely major family. That's about where Sophie's sitting, right there. Yeah, that's, 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 that's right there. Um, and I stood about there and read out this text with about, I don't know, 50 of us. Some of you were here that morning. This place did not look like this. And I, I opened the scriptures and I read Isaiah 61. And then we scattered throughout this room to pray. And that's the, the major family praying for uh, what we were dreaming of becoming in this space and what would happen here. When I was a boy, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather and he used to say things to me that made absolutely no sense and uh, one of the, his favorite things to say to me was um, if we were doing something if we were out in the farm or we were kind of doing a job and I was being like a five-year-old like watching he used to always look at me and say don't stand there with your arms the same length and I, I, I was always like thinking right is this better I never, I never quite, quite understood exactly what he was talking about. But he used to say one of the other things at the beginning of an adventure or a task, when we were starting something new, he used to say this phrase. He used to say, Smokey, that's what he called me. That's a whole other story. Um, I used to say, Smokey, start as you mean to go on. Start as you mean to go on. And it was funny because, again, little kid, I had no idea what that meant. I had no clue. But it's really stuck with me. And uh, almost every time I, I begin something new, a new adventure, a new task, a new thing. I have this like inherent sense of the beginning is significant. That beginnings are, are moments of intention where we can deliberately step into and towards something. But it's funny as life kind of goes on, it's easy to get distracted and to get discouraged, to set off in one direction and find yourself blown off track and Revisiting our beginnings is always really, really important to us. Another expression John Wimber used to say was, um, the way in is the way on. The way in is the way on. I wonder if you ever noticed that. For those of you who have been following Jesus for some time, who've watched other people come into relationship and friendship with Jesus, there's this funny phenomenon that, that happens Usually when pe people meet Jesus and surrender their life to Jesus for the first time, they get like full of passion and fire for their faith and the things of God. But over time, often that can seem to kind of dwindle or 
dampened. Their faith gets kind of sanitized and they grow up often in all of the wrong ways. Chris sent me this quote from G.K. Chesterton a couple weeks ago. Jack, you can throw it up there. It says this, because children have a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And in every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be... It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. Isn't that beautiful? There's something about our beginning that we're never supposed to lose. There's this uh, contrast between maturing in our faith and growing up in all the wrong ways in our faith. And it's so interesting that Jesus seems to use the metaphor of children all the time when he's talking about what life in the kingdom really looks like. There are things that we are never supposed to grow tired of And we find a lot of them here in Isaiah chapter 61. In our first week together, looking at this passage, we asked the question, what is God doing and what is he like? In short, the answer, he is better than we can imagine. And he is in pursuit of the lost, the broken, and the hurting people of the world and inviting them to display his goodness and his splendor to the life and life to the world around them. And last week, Stu unpacked what that requires of us, that we are to learn how to live as prophets, putting our imagination to work with God, rebuilding ancient ruins of people and places, restoring places that have long been devastated, but not simply to live as mad prophets, but also to receive the priestly mantle mediating between God and creation, that we would be named ministers of our God. This is really, this is, they are so cute. This is really, really crucial for us to understand. It's a, it's a mindset or a paradigm that if you're going to last any length of time in our community, it's really important that you get your head around. You see, it doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from. We are all ministers. It doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from. We are all ministers. I know some of you, that makes you really uncomfortable. The idea of people like me being ministers maybe makes a whole lot more sense. That's just because you don't know me very well. (laughs) Christian discipleship, our place in the mission of God in the world, it only makes sense if we understand ourselves as co-laborers, ministers, priests learning to live into and occupy this story. They're much quieter than my three. I'm totally fine. 
Here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, this is really important. We don't have any ministries. We have 500 ministers. And living into this dream of the life of Jesus coming to every person and part of our city crucially and critically requires us to understand that. I heard an incredible story this week from a little party. Um, One of our four-year-olds coming home from nursery and lamenting to her mum that lots of her friends don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And so she's praying for them to meet Jesus. Four. I love that. I love that. And again, we see our little ones somehow just seem to get it way better than us. Little Stella just intrinsically understands that she has a part to play in this thing called the mission of God. So she's talking to her friends about the Holy Spirit and she's praying for them at night and she's a little bit frustrated with her mom and often gets confused when she's reading Bible stories about whether baby Moses is actually baby Jesus. And, you know, it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love how she doesn't have to trip over the religious programming of I'm not good enough or I make mistakes or I need to kind of read my Bible, pray every day before I could feel any way good enough to actually get involved. It's just normal and natural and part of how she understands and sees the world. Last week, Stu opened his talk with this statement, you need to understand that this is not the goal. This is not the point. That what we are doing in this community is not working really, really hard to put on the best show in town on a Sunday morning. It's not even to write really interesting and inspiring talks. Our goal is quite simply to equip you to join in in the present day ministry of Jesus wherever you find your everyday, ordinary life. Verse 6 of Isaiah 61 says, You will be named priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. Whether you work in a bank or on a building site, in a hospice or at home with your kids, this is who we are. Priests of God, ministers of the Lord. And then we get to verse 8. Let's do read this morning. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the young plant come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. You see, whenever we learn and experience 
what God is like. Whenever we understand what he is doing and order our lives around that, whenever with humility and equal confidence we step into our vocation as prophets and priests, those things can't help but bear fruit in our lives. I love that the metaphor in the scriptures is fruitfulness. It's not fitness. And the two are very, very different. You see, to get fit, you, you need to go and put in a load of effort. Right? You've got to go work out. You've got to order your schedule a certain way. And that's really, really important. But, but things that bear fruit usually do them on their own. Right? Like when was the last time you saw an apple tree like working really hard? Right? Like an, an apple tree in a healthy environment will bear fruit. It's part of what it means to be an apple tree. And the Christian life, again, is supposed to be that simple. That whenever the environment is correct, and we're, we're, forgive this is a bit crass, but we're doing it right, we cannot help but bear fruit. Fruitfulness is not related to striving. Whenever we understand, whenever we begin with an experience of what God is like, whenever we actually grasp what he is doing and with humility and confidence occupy that, it naturally bears fruit in our lives. Verse 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Delight greatly, rejoicing. It's not the absence of difficulty or everything just going well. It is the fruit of our lives ordered around the right things, living out of the presence of God every single day. And then Isaiah goes on, For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. James, why don't you and the band come back up? I want to ask you, as we land this uh, whole idea of beginnings, and we're going to move into some really practical stuff over the next six weeks after Jay comes. We're going to start a series in the book of Nehemiah. For any of you um, super students out there, you can go ahead and, and read on in the book of Nehemiah. Um, and we're going to get really, really practical on how do we actually put this to work. Okay, so, um, but before we get there, I think it's appropriate to land somewhere um, that I hope most of you can relate to. So I have a question as we move towards communion this morning. I wonder what are you wearing today? I don't mean your clothes, and I'm glad you're wearing those. I wonder what else you've come in this morning wearing. What else do you put on in the mornings? I wonder how much say do you have in the things that you wear every day? I wonder who's involved in what you wear every day. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in robes of his salvation. I wonder how many of us can't help but wear shame. 
if we, we get up in the morning and it just, just feels like somebody else puts it on us. I wonder for how many of you it's just wearing worry and stress. That your first thought in the morning before you can even get into your responsibilities is anxiety and worry and stress. I wonder how many of you does that go a step further into fear? You just wear fear and maybe this morning was a huge battle for you just to even get yourself into this space. I wonder how many of us are wearing exhaustion at the moment. And I think this idea of beginnings, we need to start as we mean to go on. Allowing God to clothe us in what He wants to give us. Taking off perhaps some of those things that we're wearing that He never intended us to have and allowing Him to dress us for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. I wonder what would it look like if you wore salvation? If that exchange happened in your life? That that stress or that worry, that fear, that anxiety, that tiredness, that fill in the blank. What would happen if God said, hey, come here, take that off. Let me, let me have that and put this on. What would it look like in your work for you to wear salvation? What would it look like for God to array you in a robe of his righteousness? You can go do the thesaurus and dictionary work with those words later. What would it look like for him to wrap you up in his righteousness and for that to be the thing that you display to the world wherever you go? Can I invite those of you that are serving communion to um, occupy where you need to go? And um, we're going to come to this sacred meal together this morning. And I want to encourage you to allow an exchange to happen there. We'll take a moment just to stay seated as the band lead us. And maybe just ask God, God, what am I wearing that you don't want me to wear? What am I wearing today that you don't want me to wear? And then as you respond and as you come and take communion, would you just allow him to take that and to give you salvation and righteousness? That he would clothe you in those things and that you would quite literally experience that exchange. So let me pray and then the band will lead us. Take a moment of reflection and prayer.